On today's episode, we talk about the two class action lawsuits, Burnett versus NAR and Morrill versus NAR, as well as a couple other brokerages. The details on that, what the outcome might be, what the future of real estate looks like, and what you need to be doing to prepare for some of these things that are coming down the pipeline. You talk about it privately, we talk about it publicly. This is the Real Estate Insiders Unfiltered Podcast. Welcome again to the Real Estate Insiders Unfiltered Podcast. I'm your host, James Twiggins, along with my co-host, Keith Robinson, a.k.a. Crazy Uncle Keith. Yes, sir. Keith, tell us about what we are covering. Oh, today we are going to have the great and powerful Rob Hahn, uh, the notorious R.O.B. on our pod. Got to check He's out his blog. It's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Lots of words. Many, yes. many words. You got it. You have to be able to read extensively. Yes. So. And we'll be unpacking the lawsuits. There was a big announcement recently uh, that one went class action we'll be unpacking Moral, yep. yeah telling the story about what happened uh, how we got there and then rob will we'll ask him what he thinks is going to happen <laughs> and it won't be good news i guarantee it never is with that guy we're looking forward to hearing all of his take on it yeah it'll be great all right rob welcome to the show we are Super excited to have the one and only Rob Hahn on yes, yes, our pod. There yes. is no other person on the planet like Rob, and I am excited yeah. to uh, yeah. to get yeah. this thing kicked off and hear Me Rob's too. take. It's, <laughs> Me too. Yes. It's so cool to be a guest on somebody else's pod. That's actually really neat. And uh, let's be honest, like there are a lot of people who are super happy that I am the one and only. Could you imagine there is, like two people notorious. like me running around? Holy no, crap. that would be a lot. So Notorious <laughs> Rob, by the way, is uh, if you don't know his his blog, you should go check that out. Uh, we've got we've got a we've got an AKA Notorious Rob, and we got an AKA Crazy Uncle Keith on the uh, <laughs> yeah. on the yeah. pod. So every family's be, got uh, one. Yeah. Why do I feel like we should all have like glass of bourbon in front of us right now and like maybe well, a big cigar? I'm not saying would, no. Except it's only three o'clock here still, and it's maybe a little bit early to set. I mean, set what the James tone. said. With James Whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. So here's the deal. Right. We invited Rob on because Rob is uh, Rob always has a point of view, um, which we love. Yeah, and we call it the positivity half hour. <laughs> That's I'm white pilled, um, bro. I am so white pilled. There you go. Uh, but here's the deal. We're, uh, we have Rob on for a very specific subject that, uh, he definitely is one of the more educated people on, on these, uh, these topics. Um, you know, we'll, we'll have a little bit of conversation about it, starting out with what these class action suits are that are in residential real estate. Rob has written extensively about it. Um, I follow what Rob writes. Uh, I follow a lot of what people write. Rob is also what makes him unique is he is a uh, former lawyer. So he has a background uh, in understanding the law a little bit better than most people do, which makes him dangerous. Does that um, make him a recovering lawyer? Or just is, a, that, is that what you call it? Where did you go? You went to no, Yale, man, right? I, I, went, I went to Yale undergrad. I went to NYU for law school. I okay. summered and I decided I don't want to do this. So I'm a, I am a member of the New York bar, but I'm oh. retired and I never actually practiced law. But I Got do it. enjoy the hell out of reading law cases and legal briefs, which is just a character flaw. Yeah, what thank can I God say? you do. You know? Somebody needs to. I have right. been to. I've been to a New York bar. Is that the same thing? <laughs> it's very similar. You're very, very similar. You've, yeah, very you've similar. been to a lot of those, Keith. I've I've been present on some of those excursions. That's um, a fact. Rob, That's a all right, fact. here, start us out. Give us right. so give the listeners and the viewers a little bit of 
Talk to us about the two major class action cases. You can venture into the DOJ, bring it down to the level that Keith and I can understand <laughs> and everyone else. Um, and then we'll dive into what you think yeah. about all of this stuff. So let's start yeah. there first. So Sure. So fundamentally, like, like you mentioned, I've been following this since March of 2019 when the Merle lawsuit was filed. That was the first big major commission lawsuit. That's what I've been calling these, right? Okay. The second one is out of Missouri. That's the Sitzer, now called Burnett. So there are two big class actions. Merle's the big, big one. And then uh, Burnett is only within the state of Missouri. Missouri, right. Fundamentally, what the claim is that the practice of cooperation compensation, where the seller pays the listing agent and the listing agent shares that commission with the buyer agent, right? Mm -hmm. The fundamental claim is that that is anti-competitive. It's a violation of Sherman Antitrust Act, right? And that uh, as a result, it keeps commissions way high, right? That's the okay. claim. Now, there's a gazillion legal things about conspiracies and this and that, and you know, like forget all that shit, right? And the defendants in this are, and yeah. the defendants are who right. in these cases? The Let's defendants are NAR, the National okay. Association of Realtors, and the four corporate defendants, which are four of the largest real estate companies. It's Realogy now anywhere, Keller Williams, Remax, and Home Service America. Okay. Along with obviously BHHS, which is their franchise brand. Mm -hmm. So, um, and when Burnett's this was first, in Missouri, Burnett's in Burnett's Missouri out, specifically. Right. So Burnett is essentially an exact copy of the Merle case, but it's just in Missouri and just claiming that those five same same defendants okay. right, did this to the people in Missouri. There's some state law claims under Missouri, but again, it's not completely relevant for our discussion. The fundamental claim is. The sellers paying the agent and then all of the practices around that is a violation of that Sherman Antitrust Act. And therefore, the, the sellers or the plaintiffs are owed money. Okay. That's one. And two, that this practice of allowing the commission sharing should be banned, basically. That the court should say, you're not allowed to do that anymore. In, in as simple a layman's term as possible, that's the case. Now, all right. Go deeper. In yeah. the beginning, it was assumed, I think the industry heard it, whatever, NAR, MLS get sued all the time. Who gives a crap? I remember saying, no, no, this is different because of the law firms that are involved in the, in the right. Merle case specifically. Right? Cohen Milstein and I think the other one's called Hagen's Berman are not your typical run-of-the-mill ambulance chasing <laughs> green male artists that these guys go after like visa amex big tobacco big pharma i mean these are like the best of the best in terms of the plaintiff's bars what they call it. Like unlimited these, funds massive law massive law firm with tons Correct. of money to throw at the case okay. not only that but like you know if you look at their hiring like you don't you don't just go get a job at cohen milstein you know what i mean mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. you are among the best litigators in the country you have tons of experience and they make hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars from these lawsuits. Why? Because when you do one of these lawsuits, you know, as a movie like Aaron Brockovich told us, you might do it for free in the beginning, but when there's a settlement or a judgment, you're going to take 30 to 40% of that. Right. Right. So you do a billion dollar settlement. Guess what? Your take is 400 million. And, you know, mm -hmm. so the in, the, point, in the legal the community... Point the, the yeah. point you're making here is that this these firms don't take on cases that they can't win. Is that fair? correct? Correct. Because mm -hmm. it's a big risk for them. It's a large investment for them to take it to either you know settlement or trial judgment. 
And I thought, these two guys are not your run-of-the-mill lawyers. This is very serious. And I think events have proven that I was probably right on that call. So because the thought was, they're going to get it dismissed. You know, like, what are you talking about? Right. right? There's a contract between the seller and the listing agent. Who cares? It, no. It, they, it's so... Long and short of it is, there's been a whole bunch of motions, right? Motion to dismiss, you know, motion for class action certification, all these different motions. That's very normal in complex litigation. And basically, the plaintiffs have won every single motion. <laughs> Not only that, but the judge's opinion on ruling on these motions make essentially makes it obvious to me that at least the judges made up their minds. Mm -hmm. Both cases, both Merle and Burnett, right? In addition to that, and I think this is a relevant factor, in both cases, the United States Department of Justice intervened in both cases uh, with a, neither for the plaintiff nor the defendant, but their intervention happened to chop the legs out from NAR, one of their key arguments in the beginning. So it's pretty clear that the government has a thumb on the scale. Mm -hmm. So... The latest kind of brouhaha that is leading to this conversation is Burnett was already classified as a class action. This part's really important, right? Because if you're NAR, if you're Kelly Williams, right? If you're defending a lawsuit against one guy, one seller saying, hey, you screwed me through this thing. All right, whatever, right? You know, fine, $30,000 damage, sure. here you yeah. go. Right. <clears throat> when you become a class action, now that that one guy can represent Everyone, everyone who's ever sold a home mm -hmm. during a period and of now time. it gets crazy so they yeah. fought that pretty hard burnett they already lost burnett's class action that thing is going to trial in october of this year right it was actually supposed to go to trial in february but they delayed it there's been some so now it's pushed off to october merle is the big one is what they were really fighting class certification on and they just lost that so the judge just ruled yep I'm going to allow this as class action lawsuit. So now they can go and, you know, recruit a whole bunch of people, right? And, and the, it was anybody who bought a house between 2015 and 2020, if I remember my right. math correctly, in That's 20 right. markets across the U.S., That's 20 right. specific markets and MLSs That's across right. the U.S. That's yeah. right. And, and the damages expand, potential on that? that I think I calculated the damages at roughly $195 billion. <clears throat> So small. So number. obviously. So so yeah. chump change, really. I mean, just, <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. would it basically to other cities, or like if you if you weren't in one of those MSAs, or you just you don't get to play. We're gonna get to that key. That's okay. the, scary that part. the is the yeah. is the real danger here. Uh, so yeah, obviously. But I want to but I want to add one thing, Rob, real quick. Because I think yeah. this is important. What's stemming What's stemming this is two decisions that have occurred. And I want to be fair to NAR in this. Two different decisions over two different periods of times for two very different reasons. So, and I'm going to simplify, and if I'm wrong, correct me here. But you've got essentially broker co-op. Essentially, if you're in the MLS, you need to offer compensation to the other side of the transaction, to the buyer's agent, essentially. And clear cooperation policy, which is really where this kicked a lot of this off, which is if you, I mean, I, I'm, I'm attaching to, and maybe I'm off, so tell me if I am, but... You, you have a requirement for cooperation and you now have a requirement that states if, you have, if you're part of the MLS and you have a listing, you have to put that in the MLS within 24 hours mm -hmm. versus where it could have been, it was a, what, what do we call these off-market? Pocket, um, listing. uh, pocket yeah. listings. Mm -hmm. So to me, I'm looking at this going, 
very different intentions and reasons for doing this. And I'm, and to be clear, I'm not opposed to clear cooperation policy as adamantly as others are. I think that there is, that's a whole different conversation, but the, the point whole, is, is that yeah. it's a whole different conversation. But the point is, is that you have a policy where you have to require, you're, you're required to provide cooperation. And now you have a policy that says everything has to go into that MLS where that's required. That's where it, from a plaintiff's perspective, that that's a very solid argument to stand on going, look, the people that are making these decisions are the very ones that benefit from these decisions. Am I off on that? Or? It's not that you're off on it, but I'll say that there are two other cases where they're really going to have to clear cooperation policy. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty clear that the Department of Justice and the FTC are very concerned about clear cooperation policy. Sure. But the two big commission lawsuits, Merle and Burnett, really don't deal with clear cooperation. Mm-hmm. And their claim is much more fundamental, right? Their claim is that the industry... NAR, through NAR, which controls all of the MLS policies. Sure. And that these four corporate defendants, those four were chosen not just because they have deep pockets, but because the plaintiff's lawyers have a lot of evidence showing that big-time executives at those brokerages served in some big-time committee positions and big-time leadership positions Mm -hmm. in NAR. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So they could weave this story Mm -hmm. that, I, I can't remember, like the president of NAR came from Remax, and then the next president came from, you know, Home Service yeah, America. Yeah, time stuck together, mm-hmm. essentially. Right. Yeah. And that's so, the story so you you're going to lay out. That's, right. that's, that is the story. And, it, well, and again, is the, if, is the yeah. issue, so I want to make sure, because people, I, I talk to brokers all the time who are just like, eh, and I'm like, no, because this is going in front of a jury. Right. And those, that jury could be homeowners who might have paid a commission, right? <laughs> that could be. Will be. Most <laughs> right. likely will so, be. Yeah. But that's why I'm kind of like, it's not, it's not, there's no longer, we can't lobby our way out of this anymore. This is, this is in a completely different realm of, we can't right. get a senator to throw the thing out. It's, I'm nope. making that up. But the point is like, this is going to a jury of peers who will make a decision based upon the arguments plaintiff's lawyers present versus defendants. And yep. what you're saying is, is there they have they would have not done this if they didn't have a clear path of evidence to show a very good story to a jury. Is that there, no no question? Fair. Yeah. No question. Now okay. let me give provide a little bit of additional context because you know, you you look at some of the commentary and social media posts and all this stuff since 2019, and there are a lot of agents out there making all sorts of arguments as if they're arguing to a court, and I'm like just save your breath. Like your opinion doesn't matter. <laughs> like my opinion doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, it's what the law says. It's what the lawyer is going to argue. But in that context, I think it is important for us to at least consider the very first antitrust lawsuit that I'm aware of that I've been able to find is a 1950 Supreme Court case against NAR. At that time, it was called the National Association of Real Estate Boards. It wasn't even called National Association of Realtors, mm-hmm. where they alleged exact violation of the Sherman Antitrust Act for keeping commissions high. At that time, what was going on was the NAR and would publish, and then the local association, the local MLS would enforce a standard commission rate. <laughs> Like, and okay. they would literally say, it is against the code of ethics to charge less than 6%. <laughs> so Oops. that Oops. one was so like they lost, clearly... They lost, they lost they that lost one? They lost that one. Yeah. 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 They lost that one. So after that, though, what NAR then did is, it's not required anymore. It's not mandatory. 
but we're gonna recommend you know like a msrp mm -hmm. our recommendation is six percent that got thrown out that got sued that got thrown out so now it's okay we're not gonna talk about commissions at all and the issue is here we are in 2023 and you look at commission rates across the country and you know what it's kind of very it's pretty close to what nar first mandated and then recommended for over 70 years yeah i mean it's no, it's, it's lower than it's, what's public than for that, what it's worth. Right? I mean, 2020, it was 4.94 on average, but your point's mm -hmm. valid. I just wanted to, yeah. I actually have some of these yeah. stats from Real Trends, yeah. so I can yeah. see that, but yeah. commissions have come down a lot since 1991 um, and further back. But well, and, I, so, and so that would go to the final factor that I think is relevant for our discussion. And this is a point that I've been making more and more over the last year, maybe two years, is a lot of us, I think, in the industry make these very detailed, very sort of technically true, correct, you know, like these types of arguments. I'm like, look, what you have to understand is this is happening because the elites in our society, policymakers, the media, academics, think tanks, you know, all of the people who kind of make up the, the elite leadership of the country fundamentally think that we are paying too much for real estate services. Because they look at other countries, Germany, you know, uh, whatever, you know, Europe, Japan, like all these other countries say in those countries, the transaction cost for real estate is like 2%. Why is it 6%, 5%, whatever it is, right? It's so much higher in the US. Oh, it's because of NAR. It's because of MLS, because of this cooperation compensation thing. My take on it is as a, as, when you just take a huge step back, if I'm, a think tank, if I'm an academic, if I'm a policymaker, what do I want? I want real estate costs to be 2% in the U.S. How I get, get the, there... Where'd you get the 2% number? Just because of what you're seeing... That's sort of the average across the Western developed uh, I understand. countries. Okay, I right? just was trying to figure out where you got the number from. So, so okay. it's like, yeah, we can make all these this, the, you know points, et cetera, et cetera. All I'm saying is be aware of the fact that all of the sort of leaders in our society, in our country would like to see commissions be 2%. You know what's interesting about this is that we have a we have a another guest that's that's uh that's going to be on the show and and uh, uh, I've had some conversations with him. He did a survey of consumers recently asking them questions about their compensation their realtor and it was fascinating yeah. statistics. It was like a third of them don't actually know what they're paying, but when they actually disclosed what they were paying and they, they went, this is what the realtor made on this, and this is an approximation of time, et cetera. The, the result was they didn't mind. And it was, mm -hmm. a, it was, a, it was a large sampling of, of people. It was a significant sample survey. Yeah. This, this is a thousand watt study? Yeah, exactly. You know exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was really fascinating to, to, go, to go through that and see that study and go, that is really interesting because we can get off on a tangent here. I want to get back to the subject, but it, I think there's there's what people want. And then I think there's an element of perception that there's, there's a deep understanding that this is a complicated transaction. It's the most important transaction people mostly do in their life. It's the most expensive. I hate the idea of people thinking you can just do this with a piece of technology because it's just not that simple. Um, you know, and where we end up, you know, I think that's maybe a good segue. Where does this where does this go? So we're our current industry here. We are pretty much the same way to your point. We've been for a long period of time. Yep. And this is going to take time to solve all these. You know, Burnett goes to trial in October, October. and, you know, the moral case is going to be a good, what, year or two before it goes to trial, probably. probably. And then yep. there'll be an appeal. And then 
everybody that appeal goes trump was going to try to go to the supreme court and like where does this yep. go and then give us your and I, and for the <laughs> viewers and listeners rob and keith and i are going to be probably in slightly different camps on the end result of this which would be a good conversation but then yeah, tell us yeah, where yeah. you think it's going to go so so legally speaking i don't think this gets decided for probably five to seven years okay that's right. the full run all the way up through full appeal run, and all the yeah. way, right supreme court whatever right i think if the supreme court takes it then it's seven years if they deny sir which i think they will it'll probably be five years be over in five okay i, I think that's when we can expect that thing is that's not the real problem if yeah you will, i knew you were gonna go right? here mm-hmm. yeah the real problem and i've been talking about this now on my latest podcast i think with greg i talked about it uh, I've written about it, you know, and I'll talk about it here as well. The real problem is are the copycat lawsuits. And right. this is the point that Keith brought up earlier. And we all agree on this, by the way. Right. Mm-hmm. So, Which yeah. is, okay, look, the, the defendants are NAR and those four companies, and it's those 20 markets, right? I'm okay. Once it gets to class action, and by, certainly after Merle gets decided, after Burnett gets decided, Burnett. Mm-hmm. right? Which will be, let's say, November, December of this year. Certainly after that decision comes down, you just have the plaintiff's bar going, there's gold in them hills. <laughs> right. And Greg and I talked about it in our last thing. It's like, assuming that <laughs> assuming that NAR loses, to be clear. If they lose and, 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 right. And I'm, if they I'm lose at this Burnett, point I'm then, saying they're gonna lose. Yeah, they're gonna I get it. So you're they're assuming they're go, you're you're of the opinion they're going to lose and then Right. You're saying copycat lawsuits of like, wow, Correct. look at all the other people we can sue. Let's go start Correct. a bunch of other class action and here's the precedence to prove those suits. That's right. Because, you know, look, lawyers are like, no, like everybody there. else. If somebody mm-hmm. else did the work and all they have to do is copy paste, right, and start <laughs> filing lawsuits, that's exactly what they're going to do. And at that point, the issue is going to be, and I think I brought up uh, like Chicago as an example, right? Because Chicago is not named, MRED is not named. Cool. I'm some lawyer, you know, I have five lawyers in my firm. Okay, I'm going to go sue MRED. I'm going to go sue the Chicago Association of Realtors and maybe five of the <laughs> largest brokers in Chicago, right? That's what I'm going to do. So, oh, Chicago, that's oh, Illinois. So let's, okay, fine. It'll be Topeka, Kansas. <laughs> It'll be Grand Junction, Colorado. They're not named. Okay, cool. Let's go sue the local association, the local MLS, and the five largest brokers in this market. And sure, it's not $100 billion. We'll sue them for $10 million. All right. Well, I mean, none of those guys could pay $10 million in damages. And that's, I'm saying even before you get to the damages thing, if you get sued, and you know this, James, I mean, you run a company. I, I get it. You have to defend it. Okay. The to cost defend of it. defending is massive on anything. Exactly. Yeah. You have to have yeah. lawyers. You have to do all this shit. Mm. And that's, you got to go, you got to get deposed. You got to answer interrogatories. And I think my issue with the industry is almost no one is thinking about that piece. Like the process is a punishment. They worried about, well, you know, we're going to lose or we're going to win. I'm like, forget losing and winning. Start with, you're going to get sued. And then whatever you had in your legal budget for 2024 is not enough. That, 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 that's the first thing I want to sort of put out there. I'm assuming E&O policies wouldn't cover something like that either. I'm actually just pontificating here. So, so it turns out I just actually got a comment from, uh, from an MLS attorney. He said, look, uh, E&O covers the legal fees. It does not cover damages. Right. And it doesn't cover settlements for antitrust. So right. So basically, where, cover where it some goes, of your legal costs. Sure. So legal mm-hmm. fees m- might be covered if you have an E and O policy, and then. Might. But to your point, 
damages and settlement amounts would not be, and you've correct. got to come up with the money. And to your so point, and we all know what the industry is. They don't. Do have you think they're though. going? You think that the plaintiff will win? Yes. And you think all these copycat lawsuits are going to get filed, and then it's just yes. scorched earth? Like yes. everyone that is in residential real estate goes bankrupt, and pretty much. I mean, what's the outcome? That's it. End of days. I think all brokers that are in existence today probably are facing massive problem, massive liability, except the small ones, because the small ones aren't worth suing. Won't get sued. Hmm. Right. But like, if you're in the top 100 brokerage today, uh, I I would be having conversations with my GC. I would have conversations. Hey, what's our legal budget? Where are we active? What what's going on? And you have to confront the fact that you're probably going to get sued for your past activity. Right. In other words, there's nothing you can do today to escape liability when... No, right, from the past. Mm-hmm. Right. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What you can yeah. do today is to minimize mm-hmm. liability going forward. <laughs> like, don't and pile what would that liability. Look like? What, what so, do you think that answer is? Yeah. I, I think there's a bunch. And we can get into that. Let's just make well, sure we cover... Yeah, let's, uh, I want to... Yeah, let's... Well, so no, basically, we it. The world just ended. The like. world just ended. <laughs> I'm just trying to... I'm trying to... Before we dive into where you think things are going to go, and we'll get into that discussion because I want to. Uh, yeah. You're, so you think that this whole domino effect starts once once Burnett goes down and you're of the think, opinion right. that they will lose. And then once yeah. that happens, the lawyers will look at it and go, well, that's an easy thing. Let's just go tackle everybody else. And it doesn't even matter. This is the part where I, I hate to agree with you, Rob. It's just my experience <laughs> with lawyers. It's the truth. It doesn't matter whether you're right or wrong. The fact no. is you can get sued for anything and they'll do it yep. because they just... They know the system and it costs yeah. tons of money to defend it. Do you think that there'll be some, let me ask it this way. It, there doesn't make any sense to sue if everyone goes BK because you get nothing, not nothing, but you get almost nothing. So is there some larger settlement that occurs so that there's some money that's garnered out of it instead? Because I know, from, yeah. not to sound like an asshole here, but like I know from suing, if you're suing somebody and there's not a lot of money there, the legal fees can cost more than the benefits from doing that. So right. my, yeah. my point is, is there some other way out? I think the only way out, this, this to me feels a lot like uh, big tobacco. Right, so remember when the whole tobacco yep. litigation was happening, what that ended up involving were the 50 state attorney generals plus Congress, like literally passing mm-hmm. legislation and creating, crafting this like national tobacco settlement, you know, vehicle. Mm-hmm. I suppose that's possible. <laughs> yeah, like, mm. I suppose, but I don't know, you know, like I, that to me feels like entirely too speculative. It's, it's really hard to say. Well, right? I, I mean, can we pontificate and say that taking down residential real estate would be extraordinarily bad for the U.S. economy? <laughs> well, so, but here's the thing. When you think about it, it's not actually going to take down residential real estate. So one of the things I've maintained forever around all these lawsuits is that the individual agent on the street is not affected by this. Not directly. They're not going to be sued, right? No one's going to sue Susie. Mm-hmm. Well, they're, the brokerage agent. is sued anyway. The brokerage is obviously The brokerage would be out of right? business. Okay, fine. So you, you sue a brokerage. Mm-hmm. They're out of business. They're belly up. They're BK. Mm-hmm. Okay, all those agents are still around. They're still licensed. They'll just go work for another brokerage or they'll start their own brokerage. Start up a new company, essentially, that's fresh, that doesn't have any exactly. stuff from the past, and we move forward. Exactly. So, okay, exactly. I wanted to make so, sure that we all didn't want to like kill ourselves on this pod today. Correct. So, <laughs> correct. Um, yeah. Correct. All right. I mean, the impact on the agents has less to do with that and much more to do with the fact that now they run into a different problem, <laughs> which is convincing your buyer to pay you. 
All right. right. So the idea and, behind these suits, to your point, just I want to reiterate for the listener and, and viewer again, is that they, the end result is they want buyer's agents to be paid by the buyer and seller's agents paid by the seller. Just, that's I'm right. simpli- I'm really simplifying here, but that's, that's, right. that's essentially what the future of what they want that's this right. to be. Okay. That's All right. right. And, and under the current structure, that's a real problem because buyers, I mean, and you guys know this, man. It's hard yeah, enough to get any agents extra money. to... Yeah. Well, and that's exactly right. But it's hard enough to get agents to go talk about getting their buyers to sign an exclusive buyer agency agreement. Now you got to have them go talk. Not only do you have to sign an exclusive mm-hmm. buyer agency agreement, you have to convince the buyer to commit to paying you like potentially tens of thousands of dollars. But why does exactly, it have to be the why does it have to be the buyer that pays it? Because if the losses, if, you know, what I mean, if the seller's like, but, but if a seller 2%. wants to, like, if I own my home. And if the only way I can sell it, or if I have the ability to sell it faster or get more for it by paying the buyer's fees, I would do that. They can't stop me. Sure. Right? So you could have a buyer broker agreement and I as the seller could agree to pay the buyer's agent. You could. because Because I get more. Otherwise, the buyer can't afford to pay it. They right. usually are digging as deep in their pockets as they can for their down payment. Without and, that also being potentially financed, which is a thing NAR should be working on, is yeah, so legislatively the, changing things so that you can finance the buyer agent commission into that yeah. loan. Yeah. So yeah. either yeah. the financial industry has got to figure it out or they, we can't we just end up at, isn't it possible that we just end up at every state runs like North Carolina where you've got a requirement for disclosure, which by the way, I think is the right way to do it. I, I think it is odd that it hasn't been disclosed before. Uh, and so long as everybody knows and everybody's cool with it, like this could just be national buyer broker agreement, right? Uh, so two things about that. One is that it could be, I mean, that's who knows, Sure. but here's my thing. I'm saying before <laughs> you can get to that point, you're let, let's just say you're right. And a lot of sellers voluntarily, Mm-hmm. We'd be like, hey, I really want to sell my house. You know what? I'll, I'll offer to pay your agent's, you know, commission. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thing is, as a buyer agent, are you willing to take that risk when you're working with a buyer? Because, in other words, those those, those things are no longer unilateral offers from all sellers, all listing agents in the MLS. Right? That's case by case. Some sellers will offer it. Some sellers won't. Sure. Right. But so I, from a I, buyer I... agent, mm-hmm. right? You have to then go to your buyer and say, listen, some I, some sellers are going to offer to pay my commission, which case you don't owe me anything. But if they don't, you owe me two and a half percent. So historically, the government is interested in home ownership. They understand that when that's why you get a tax break for it. Mm-hmm. Right. So the mm-hmm. government mm-hmm. wants people to mm-hmm. buy homes. The government yes. does not want to make it harder to buy homes. Okay. So and requiring the buyer the cash strap buyer to pay the the agent fee would reduce the number of people who can buy homes. Period. End of story. Sure. Right? Well, no, not necessarily. Well, either you, you've got to find a solution. Why? No, what I'm saying is the other option is you just don't use a buyer agent. That's like all of Europe. So people would just do it unrepresented. Yeah. That 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 is worse than 
I, I'm not saying it's worse. Yeah. I'm just saying if I'm the government, it's like, I was going to interject, but I was what? waiting for Keith to say what yeah. he was going to say before yeah. I did. Yeah, so, no, yeah. I, I'm just if I'm the government, it's like, what do I, it's not about you can't afford to buy a home. You just don't have to hire some agent so to help you. Rob Hahn believes that the government is going to require less, uh, less oversight. Come on. That's crazy. That's not going to happen. Well, I, I don't know why you would, you would equate to that. Right. Well, because the, the I don't think the government is going to want a structure where buyers are doing it unrepresented. Now, it might increase dual agency. OK, maybe that's possible. But I also think that's a problem. Which well, is a let, whole let me ask problem. you this. So if, yeah. I'm the, if I'm the government, right? Yeah. <laughs> so let's pretend that I'm some congressman. Oh, my yes. God, I'm disgusting. Yes. Uh, I'm I was going to say now. I would never vote for. Well, maybe I would vote for you. I'm not really sure. But, actually. Yeah. So you're going to say, hey, but whatever this, you just made your case. I'm like, well, Keith, I mean, what's the problem here? The buyer can just work with the seller and the listing agent. The listing agent is not allowed to commit fraud. The seller has to make all these disclosures. What's the problem? But then you're right back where you were before, where you've got the seller paying both parties, right? So like, no, why do we go the through the seller's all this? just paying. What I'm saying is buyer, unrepresented no buyer, agent. what's the harm? Like what? What's so the, the, how did they get screwed? So do I have an agency relationship? Is am I doing this dual no, agent? No, no, no. No, it's, it's just like walking into a car dealership. Yeah, but that, that most people. This is the biggest financial decision that they're going to make in their lives. Most people. We've spent okay. more time around campfires seeking no, wise I, counsel. I get it. No, I get yeah. all that. I'm just asking you. What does the buyer? What is the risk to the buyer if they are unrepresented and they are buying a house from a seller and a listing agent who are like the law says you have to be completely disclosed everything. Do you know what I'm saying? You can't defraud I, the buyer. I get it. You're simplifying the process a little bit in that you're, you know, the buyer's agent's going to be telling them a lot about the property, the area, yeah. what it is, what the risk, what's the, what's the appreciation, the things that, what I'm not, to be clear, I'm, I totally get what Rob's saying and I'm not arguing your point. I'm saying that the customer, and this is, I'll make a very valid point here. People have chosen in this country and continue to choose in this country to have representation. They're saying, yeah. I want that because based upon every company in Europe that's come over here, I'll go really back and date myself. Foxton's was the first, mm -hmm. came mm -hmm. over, failed bankruptcy. Purple Bricks came over, failed bankruptcy. My point is the customer in the United States is saying, I don't want to do this on my own. I want somebody to help. In fact, based upon the study I just mentioned sure. with, with Thousand Watt, they're saying we don't actually mind paying for it. Sure. So then pay I, for I'm it. not... I'm not just arguing the industry because I'm in it. I'm saying that like I, if I think about it today, when my mom bought her house, yeah, I we had an agent representer, and that yep. disclosure package was 126 pages. Rob, welcome to California. And yeah. who yeah. in their right mind is going to have any idea what any of that shit is in that 126 yeah. page disclosure package? Yeah. So yeah. I don't think the end result is that's positive necessarily. I'm not arguing where compensation might change. In my mind, I think the way this industry is better represented, and I will go on record as saying. I do fundamentally think our industry will be better with the right things in place if buyer's agents are asking the buyer to pay them and are articulating their value mm -hmm. clearly and professionally yep. to do that. And yep. seller's agents are asking the seller. Now, the way I think that needs to happen is partly with Keith. I think that there needs to be buyer broker agreements. We should be doing that anyway. I totally like, should be. We should just yes. be asking people. If you totally can't ask agree. them to work exclusively with you, then you just shouldn't be in this business. Like yeah. I don't do work for free. Yeah. You shouldn't either. Well, number everyone two is, should know who's their totally. you know, gladiator like my, in the arena. Or my whatever. fiduciary yeah. is with you. And I, mm -hmm. I'm, a, yeah. I'm a big, I hate dual agency. I'm, I'm also very vocal about that. You can't represent two people without having a bias. 
Um, the second thing I was going to say, and I'm segueing Rob because I want to talk about this, is uh, second thing is I think NAR needs to work on uh, work on figuring out how we can finance that commission into the loan so that you can talk to a buyer, the commissions are negotiable, you work mm-hmm. through that, and there's an easy path for a buyer to be able to say, I want you to do it, I don't have X amount of money to pay out of pocket, but there's a way to make that happen so that it's easy to do. The right. third, which I also agree with, and let's talk about auctions. Because well, I think there's so some interesting- Well, so before you talk about auctions, like, that was my point. NAR doesn't actually have to go do any of what you just said about convincing fight. I've already figured it out, I have the solution. So, so Rob, <laughs> welcome to Decenture. So let's talk exactly. about, so let's the, talk so about solution, what you've been working on. Yeah. So the solution is a new company I just launched, oh, I launched it a while back, a year ago. I've been working on it like a madman because you know, startup <laughs> life. But yeah. I basically just announced it. And the and the answer is you, do, you actually should just do it through auction. Because right. it turns out you don't need to change the legislation. Auction buyer premiums are financeable under Fannie, under Freddie. You know, I don't know about Ginny Mae. I don't know about VA loans. There's probably some details. But all of those can be wrapped into the mortgage so the buyer can finance that. And those are buyer premiums. So what, what I've created, Decenter, DPX, essentially auction platform where there's no commission instead there's a buyer premium and the buyer pays it finances it to us the auction platform because that's how auction platforms work every auction platform charges that and then we as the platform will pay the agents involved so we will guarantee compensation Mm -hmm. to the agents the buyer can still finance the seller gets true market price there are lots of benefits to auctions but that's probably a separate show Right. You know, like I believe in <laughs> open auctions as the mm. way to buy and sell real estate. But again, whether you agree or disagree, that is clearly one way to achieve everything we need to achieve. And it's transparent because I've seen uh, to be correct. full disclosure. I, I also am aware of Rob's project and have yeah. been helping a little bit behind the scenes on it. So transparency into what's happening, which is a great thing about auctions. That's everything right. is there. And also right. just because I'm pretty sure I have this right is auctions were excluded in the class that's actions right. and so that, that's that right. correct that's that was the actually most carved out part. by the judge right hmm. and that's why hmm. i ended up having to announce because the judge literally says the class includes everyone who sold a home between 2015 and 2020 except for uh like children of the judges <laughs> lawyers <laughs> involved in this case yeah. uh people who uh, sold something less than like $53,000 or something $56, like that. $56,000. Yeah. Yeah. And if you sold at auction, I'm mm. like, well, uh, I think the judge just gave my company like triple the value of my company yeah. or something. Cause <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Holy crap. Um, so you're, so yeah. you're an auction. So to be clear, you're, I'm going to simplify here just for time's yeah. sake. We got to wrap up the show in a second, but you're, you're basically an auction that allows compensation to be done on both sides. That's it's right. it can be financed based upon the way you said it. Not necessarily all loans, right. but obviously what you've looked into. It's excluded from the class actions, That's um, right. and it is a and it is a path forward as well. So that there is yeah. potentially a way to do this that avoids what the Department of Justice and a lot of these suits are are targeting. That's right. Um, and it's dissenture. Is it dissenture? I forget the last two letter. DP is the center PX. So property exchange. Okay. The the where people get hung up on is is the British spelling of dissenter. <laughs> so as I like to as I think I like to start saying it is it's decent R E, so decent real estate, property exchange. <laughs> okay. All right. So that rolls last, right off the tongue. 
The last, the last minute here, I want to leave everybody on a good note. Man, we should have had some bourbon before this talk. Yeah, um, I'm going to have it after. We also should have scheduled for two hours, right? Seriously. Yeah. Well, we try to keep these somewhat, somewhat shorter yeah. and to the point. But um, the basically, your, the biggest threats are is, the, so first of all, there's going to be a path forward for agents. There'll yes. be some carnage mm-hmm. potential. There's going to be a lot of carnage in your scenario where this ends up going down a lot of brokerages and companies are going to deal with what massive litigation and, 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 uh, and basically you've got this, there's this, there's going to be carnage there and agents are going to come out in the ability in the long run. They're not going to get sued because they're represented by brokers, no. by brokerages, and they'll be able to move essentially on. You think the outcome will be a separation of required compensation. So essentially yes. buyers, agents paid by the buyer. And, okay. Yeah. I'm of I'm of the belief that there'll be changes in financing so we can we can finance the agents commission. I, I believe NAR will work on that and get that done. Keith is mm-hmm. of the opinion that buyer broker agreements will become standard, which they should be anyway. They should yeah. be. Um, and I don't think that the with the end of the story won't be that the buyer is paying their own commission. Uh, maybe it's NAR solves it or helps get it solved through look, you could change DTI requirements and immediately you unlock it, right? So uh, th- there are easier solutions than scorched earth and it's all over, or the buyer's got to write a giant check in order to purchase a house. But the lawsuits yeah, are but, still a big problem yeah, to get through. Uh, totally totally I'm not no, being dismissive. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not being dismissive of the lawsuit and, yeah. and the damage that it can and probably will do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I just it would end not end that's being dramatic but it would dramatically impact residential real estate negatively if the buyer had to pay their own commission but i'll i'll close on this i think that even after all of this and there will be some carnage and to what degree who knows i hope it's not as bad as rob says but i do think what will i genuinely believe in the long run that this industry will become more professional I think that yeah. agents will be mm-hmm. better at articulating their value. I think the better agents will come out and thrive. I think a lot of agents won't make it. Um, but candidly, there's too many there's too many people representing that have the realtor badge today anyway. So, you know, I think that it's it's scary and people should be very aware of this and be paying close attention and thinking about it because some of the rot stuff Rob talked about, these copycat lawsuits, that is a real threat. Like it genuinely yeah. is a real problem. Um, and and also just do better and keep your customer focused and and you know stay focused on what you do and what you provide and we'll still be here so yeah yeah and i one little twist on that i i do think certainly everyone in the industry needs to have a functional knowledge of what's going on but this is years away i i think that having an understanding is important paying attention to it don't obsess over it um it, it's in it's in the court's hands at this point. That's it. It's going to work its way through, whatever that means. But let's not obsess over uh, over this issue. Continue to serve your clients at the highest level. Can, can I differ with you on one point? You, I agree. Usually, we're supposed overall, to be ending the show, no, Rob. Yeah, usually, go well, ahead. So, go. But this is such an important point. You're you're right, and I I think yeah, you know, that's all true. However, mm-hmm. if you are a brokerage owner. Yes. No, I, I, I do agree. not think you wait. I uh, think you do a couple things immediately, like today. Like what? First what? of all, you call your lawyer, you figure mm-hmm. out what your exposure is. Second of all, I think you have to immediately publish a company policy that says something about you are never 
to tell a seller if you don't offer enough compensation, the buyer agent won't show your house and blah, blah, blah. Like, mm-hmm. you know that whole thing? Because that's at yeah. the heart of this. Yeah. As a broker, you got to just stop that right now, put it in an official written policy. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't discuss that. If if the seller objects to your commission, you got to overcome that commission objection some other way mm-hmm. other than saying, hey, if you don't offer enough, then, you know, the other... Like that, that helps stop liability from this point forward. Yeah, Yeah. correct. That's a a really good, I agree with you. Totally agree. Yeah, totally agree with you. All right, Rob, we appreciate you so very much. It was a really thought provoking conversation. I'm going to go get drunk now. Yeah. uh, And uh, totally kidding, but uh, kidding at all. (laughs) uh, I'm I'm genuinely, it's, it's really great to hear someone really talk about this from a serious perspective. I, and I mean this in in the most loving way possible. I hope you're wrong on most of what you said. Um, I I think it would be great for the industry. If I were, I just don't think I am. (laughs) I get it. I get it. Um, And we'll look forward to having you back on uh, as some of these things shake out because I think your, your insight and knowledge and the way you read into this stuff is just awesome. So always um, my friends, always we we do got to do that bourbon and cigar. Like let's not have, we'll do the next pod with with bourbon. So we'll do (laughs) it. Let's not do a podcast. We'll just hang out and do Joe Rogan. Like, bullshit yeah. and you know i i want to hear I'm about in. keith's you know uh, beliefs on the dollar and all that i want to hear oh all god that's a whole Uncle other keith. subject yeah. no that yeah. that one that one you <laughs> i got a text from him at like 11 p.m one night and he was like this is the only thing i'm concerned about and i'm like yeah. well crazy uncle keith isn't concerned about much of anything nope. and i read like Very the little. first three lines and i was yeah. like and i'm going to bed so yeah, yeah. all right we're closing out all rob right. thanks for being all here right, so much appreciate Good it to see you rob thanks guys Thanks for joining us for today's podcast. Subscribe now so you never miss an episode.